Hi, I'm Jennifer Mulholland. And I'm Jeff Shuck. We're the co-leaders of Plenty. Thanks for joining our podcast, Plenty for Everyone. Each episode, we talk with conscious leaders like you to explore abundance in work and life, fulfillment in head and heart, and ways we can all work together to make this world a better place. Welcome, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to Plenty for Everyone, our podcast for conscious leaders like you. Today, we have a special guest that has known Jeff for a long time, and we're so excited to introduce you to her. Again, my name is Jennifer Mulholland. This is Jeff Shuck. We are your hosts and co-owners of Plenty and really excited to hear from Sarah Coniglio. Tell us about her, Jeff, and how you know her and what we're going to explore here on the juicy conversation. I'd love to. And but before I do that, let me just say for people listening, I think we're at episode 30. Wow. That went quick. In (laughs) less than a year. You know, we're on it. We're doing about one a week. We couldn't do it without everyone listening. And thank you for for being here, for rating, for reviewing, for subscribing, and most of all for sharing. It has just been so rewarding. And every time we have a guest, we get new people who come on. So thank you for being here. And um, we're excited to share with you the story of Sarah Coniglio. If you listened to last episode, we had two of our great friends from Star Commonwealth, and they talked with us about a purpose-driven organization. And Sarah is kind of, I think, Jen, the solopreneur version of that and living a purpose-driven life. Sarah and I met 20 years ago, actually right after Jen, you and I worked together. I left the company where we met and went into event fundraising where I met Sarah. And I knew her for years. We worked together. I knew her as an event production person, and she would manage a large team and large scale logistics. But I also always knew her kind of like you, Jen, as someone who carried a camera everywhere she went. Sarah is going to tell you that story, but what she does now, she describes herself as a social impact photographer, and she travels the world taking pictures, um, using pictures as a way to create good by documenting good work that's being done and sharing that. And it's a really cool story about listening to that voice, I think you called it, Jen, and following your dream. And when you finally make the leap to do your own thing and what that's like. And then in her case, Sarah will tell you about this, but after she decided that she was going to quit her day job, start her own business and travel the world to be a professional photographer, COVID happened and everything, all travel was suspended. So it's just a great story about following your dreams and not letting that deter you. I love and resonate and share the same sentiment of this idea that beauty's all around. We unpack in our conversation that you don't necessarily need to travel the world to find it, that it can be in your own backyard, it can be in your home. And when we orient our focus to that beauty inside and outside of ourselves, it creates a feeling, it creates an essence, an opening, a sense of connection. And I love that her work has really exploited beauty 
in the form of human beings doing wonderful things. And it's fun to bear witness you more than me, but I saw it myself since the last time we met of just her calmness and her trust and her knowing she's right where she needs to be. And as entrepreneurs, we unpack this idea that taking that leap of faith with courage in our own integrity of being true to thyself. And as she's done that with COVID changing how she was going to capture beauty or where she was going to capture beauty. I love her agility to apply that to right in her own backyard. And then that has informed this commitment to capture these stories across the United States and in national parks and in in other um, social impact organizations. So So, I personally found the conversation really calming and and hope that you all listening to this do too yeah so more to say and stick around afterwards we'll unpack some of the lessons that we took away but without further ado here is sarah coniglio the founder of project wonderful welcome sarah we are so grateful to share this time with you You and Jeff go way back, and I've had the privilege of meeting you in the fleeting moments of a conference gathering long ago, but know that you've been part of the Plenty community and one of our cheerleaders, and I'm so grateful that we get to share this time as we explore beauty and courage and entrepreneurship and and how we make some significant changes in our lives and follow our purpose. There's so much to unpack, but maybe let's start with, hi, where are you calling (laughs) from? Welcome and tell our listeners just where you are right now and what's up for you. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. This is just a wonderful, um, I'm excited for this conversation and uh, grateful to all of you at Plenty. As I've said, I just love your messages and I just love how you're living your lives and it resonates very much with me. I'm calling in from Ridgewood, New Jersey, which has been home for a while. It's very chilly today. It's not <laughs> April 2nd weather. Like if I woke up and it was 17 real feel. So, but I'm looking forward to the spring. It's fantastic to interview people like you who like, I think like me and Jen and everyone at Plenty, you have so many titles now. We could call you photographer, author, published writer, business owner, entrepreneur, change agent, social impact ambassador. You know, you have a lot of different titles. And one of the things that is fortunate, that I feel fortunate about having known you a long time is it wasn't always obvious that all those titles were going to be in there, right? Like we, we grow into what we're ready for. And Jen and I have a huge respect being entrepreneurs ourselves for people who, who at some point in their life say, you know what, I'm ready to be my own boss. And it sounds like it's so easy to do. And it's so hard. People have no idea. So before we even get to how you navigated the past year, tell us a little bit about Project Wonderful and how long that was emerging for you and what made you finally say, I'm ready to let go of what I'm doing, which you were great at 
and take the leap into something unknown like that. We could talk just a day about that whole experience. So it had been an idea I had had for, for several years. I think the prompting of the idea was back in 2012. So it's been about 10 years where I was in Kenya, Africa, and I was working with a small organization there. And I had had my camera and as I was photo documenting them and as I was feeling their energy and as I came home and showed people the pictures of these beautiful children and these teachers in this organization that I was working with, I really felt like there was something there. And it was a beautiful combination of what I enjoyed and was most passionate about, which is traveling the world and photographing the beauty of the world, as well as working with people who were doing things that they were passionate about. And it almost always feels like a gift and felt like a gift that day back in 2012 when I was in Kenya, Africa. It's a gift of just being around this beautiful energy of people really living out something that they were called to do despite whatever's in front of them. And so I had that as a backdrop for several years. About three years ago, I really just felt like I needed to make the change because I knew that's what I really was meant to do on this earth. And I felt like I had the ability to do it. I had to make some compromises in my life and move and felt like it just was what I was meant to do. And I know that sounds so simple, but it was right from my core. It really, it was just this nagging thing that every day I'd be like, why am I going through these motions when I know that I can be going through different motions that are really speaking to me. So I made the change and about two years ago started Project Wonderful and I set out to go all over the world, the first off the seven continents. And I got to four before COVID hit. So I was in India and Greece and Costa Rica and Argentina. And right before COVID hit, I was in Argentina and I was actually there working with people that had started a program where they were teaching inmates yoga to release them and to give them inner freedom is what their name Muksha means. So that happened and I was doing all this work and I was right where I felt like I was meant to be. And then COVID hit and it was basically from traveling, traveling to stillness. But I found such beauty in that as well. And I spent several mornings and several days walking around with my camera, taking in the beauty right around me. And it was just almost like I couldn't believe it. And I was like, I can't believe this has always been here. And I never realized it was right here in front of me. And it made me realize I didn't even need to travel the thousands of miles that I've been traveling to find this beauty and to get what I feel like is healing. This gift of when I see beauty, I, I heal. I feel like it just heals me to be around that. So my passion is capturing that and sharing that with other people so they can feel that same gift of healing. And that can be in nature, mostly is in nature, but I think also in the work that I am doing with these social impact organizations is what I like to call them is 
that I'm capturing the beauty of their kindness and the, the work that they're doing, which is also healing to see that and to see people doing such wonderful things. Again, I used the word gift so much, but it's a gift. It's like the energy of that is uplifting to me. And I feel like, wow, this is a gift to me and actually kind of goes both ways because we're working together. So that's where I'm at today. I'm in New Jersey where I spent most of uh, COVID and in the neighborhood where I found so much beauty I just am so grateful for it. I was so grateful for the stillness. I swear the birds were chirping and there was so much more beautiful nature than had ever existed before, especially in the early days of the lockdown. Well, it's so my in-laws live in New Jersey. I grew up in New York. So I can imagine that idea that you have to travel somewhere to capture it elsewhere you know, the grass oftentimes appears to be greener elsewhere. And I think what you're speaking to is that there is, as we say, beauty all around, wherever we are, if we choose to see it. And the irony is our last podcast interview that we just had with Star, our Purpose Driven Strategy episode, the founder, Floyd Star coined a phrase that beauty is the silent teacher and that idea that beauty in all forms is healing and it stirs us and it moves us to another place of growth or evolvement beckons the question where is beauty here like wherever we find ourselves. And beauty can be inside too, inside walls, inside our rooms, inside our bedrooms, offices. But it is such a tricky thing to think that we have to travel the world to find it. And I love your focus of not only the awakening that, oh my gosh, it's here in New Jersey, it's in my neighborhood, it's around my home, And it is also in the beautiful work of service of when we say social impact, what we mean is organizations, whether they're for-profit or non-profit, that are really aligning their purpose to help better the world, help better people or planet. And in doing so, they also are intentionally trying to raise their profits too. So social impact really means doing good and doing well for the benefit of humanity or benefit of the planet. And there's so many flavors out there now of of what people and organizations are up to. I love that you're capturing that and those stories of purpose speak to me as I love photography as well. How, like when you are traveling either now in the States or abroad, I love the example of that organization that's using yoga to heal. Why did you choose this flavor of capture? You know, beauty oftentimes is captured in nature or in still photography or in people, in portrait. There's so many different ways to capture it. I'm so curious what led you to wanting to capture this social impact space, the social impact story, and how are you going to do that in the United States? I think 
at the end of the day, there's just a certain energy is the best way I can describe it. And that energy is so uplifting. It has its own healing to it to see and be amongst this kindness and this force almost. It's a, it's a force. These people are doing things against a lot of odds sometimes, you know, I mean, and especially as we emerge from this time, this last year, I think there's all kinds of challenges. And to see these people continue to day after day, step by step, do what they're doing, making an impact to not see that as beauty. I, I don't know how you couldn't see that as beauty. That is a, it's a certain beauty that just is so uplifting and again, is a gift. So I think to be able to capture that and show it to them. So I'm capturing their work and they're actually seeing a visual of that themselves, but then to also show it to the world and allow the world to be kind of let in to this, this wonderful work. It's, it's almost like it, it kind of moves. It's this beautiful energy that I think we can all use. <laughs> and for me to be able to do that with photography and uh, stories and uncovering that again is a gift. And I think that the more people that can see that, the more we're moving forward in a more uplifting, positive direction. Sarah, there's something you said that you kind of stepped over as if it was like no big deal. And I want to slow down and not to embarrass you or put you on the spot. And, and I'd ask the same thing of, of Jen, because everybody on this call right now has had the experience that you talked about, about you had a feeling in your gut that you couldn't resist for some reason. And it's an interesting point I want to expand because a lot of the people who come, Jen, to work with us, particularly people who come to Lantern, our leadership retreat, are feeling that feeling and they've kind of gotten good at ignoring it or medicating it or numbing it or talking themselves out of it. We constantly in our work say that, you know, it's not that entrepreneurs have ideas and the rest of the people don't. Everybody has ideas. Everybody has creativity. It's that entrepreneurs have gotten really bad at ignoring that and finally have said, okay, I've got to do it. And there's this process we all go through of like, it's a stupid idea. I could never do it. It'll never work. No one would pay me to do it. I'm the only one who cares about it. Like you and I were working together, Sarah, for a few of those years at a different company. And I kind of had a chance from afar to watch that thought process. Can you talk a little bit about that? About that, you get this feeling, did you have an experience of talking yourself out of it at first? Did you decide it was stupid? Like, how did you get to the place that er everyone who comes to us says like, how do you, I could never do that. But it, there's a Nelson Mandela quote that it always seems impossible until it's done. So I put a lot on the table, but I'd love for you to not gloss over the key point of how did you find your own beauty, the confidence in yourself to say, I'm worth doing this. Wow. Well, I definitely had a lot of those moments that you just mentioned that 
feeling like there's no way this is possible. There's no way that I can travel the world and how am I even going to make that happen from a financial standpoint, all the things, all the doubts definitely came through for years and years and years. I think what really got me to the place of saying enough of the nudges enough is just really trusting in myself. And I think the last few years I've spent a lot of time yoga with yoga and meditation and just really listening to myself and and not being afraid to listen to myself. I think to your point earlier, there was a lot over the years of me just saying, oh, it's just it's just an idea. There's just no way that I can do that. It's not sustainable. And I finally got to the point where I, I said, well, if I don't do this now, I'll never do it. And I think, again, it's been, just been that trust and listening that has been really powerful and continues to be powerful because I continue to have those days, especially as the the challenges come up and I'm just like, what am I doing? But I (laughs) look back to why I'm doing it and why it's important to me and how it makes me feel to do the work. And when I'm in it, feeling like this is exactly where I'm meant to be. So I think the combination of the constant nudging that was coming from all around me and within me, but then just finally saying, I trust this. And there's something there and, and also just surrendering to it in a way that was like, I think this is how it's going to go. But I just know that all, if all I'm doing is working with these people and photographing them and capturing this beauty, if that's all that I'm doing, that's great. Whatever that looks like at the end of the day, I'll let that go as long as I'm doing that work and I'm doing, again, what I feel like I'm really meant to be doing. There's so much there. I I, I love all of it. And again, I'm going to throw the same pitch to you, Jen, because you and I have had the exact same experience in parts of our lives about you just, it's a certain point that voice, you realize I can either listen to it or maybe I'm going to, I'm going to stifle it forever. Yeah. I mean, it's, I so relate Sarah and, and really viscerally can feel that path of entrepreneurship, that path of nudging. Like for me, I would say I've experienced that in several cycles as being kind of a serial entrepreneur myself. And in particularly years ago, I'm going to totally date myself now, but gosh, a long time ago, I'm not even going to say the year, I was at a place where I was innovation officer and general manager for the consulting organization for SunGuard Higher Education, which was a Fortune 500 technology company at the time. And I loved it. I was leading, I was creating, I was coming up with innovation framework to help the organization come up with new services and products. And it was so stimulating to me. And I was traveling all over, I had a global team, like intellectually great salary, climbing the corporate ladder, just, it felt like so in my wheelhouse and in my, what I was here to do. 
But there was a silent whisper that constantly was stirring. And I knew if I was honest with myself, it was not what I was here to fully do. There were limits. There were limits to the conversation. There was content that I was yearning to share around human potential, spirituality, blending business and blending the personal that I couldn't see at the time, but I knew that it wasn't fully my highest expression. And there was a convergence of situations that happened that nudged me, like you said, to a choice point to say, okay, am I going to take the leap? And I, at the time, I had a vision at the time it was Executive Awakenings, one of my previous companies to do executive coaching independently. But it was this leap of surrender. It was like the Indiana Jones moment where you got to take the step into the invisible void that you know is freaking scary below, right? But you got to trust that that bridge, that rope is going to catch you. And I'm getting emotional because it's scary. It's real. It, you know, there's no buddy that can tell you it's going to work out. But you got to trust that yourself knows that it's going to work out. Just like you just said, you're not doing it for the end result. You're doing it for who you become in the process. And integrity for me has been such a high value, being true to self, being true to thyself. And I could not be true to myself in that form any longer. It was almost like I was shedding and I knew I had to leap. And when I did, and every other time I've taken that same leap of faith in surrender, that rope, that bridge has appeared in the most miraculous ways and things I couldn't even see. The courage that is mustered in that moment to believe that you are going to be okay, you have the skills you will be escorted and guided to take the next step, to meet the right people, to know where to go, is not, <laughs> not for everybody. And for me, that really has formed a path of different cycles as I've had to do that, of listening to that nudging that wants me to become more of who I meant to be. And sometimes those walls, whether it's, a company you work for, or a relationship, or an expression of your path feels at some point too confining. And it feels like you're kind of wearing the wrong clothes. And that's what it was for me. I just knew I couldn't ignore those silent whispers, those nudges, and they got louder and louder and would just say, like, Jeff, you have that same experience of being an entrepreneur. There's no clear path, right? We make our path. When you trust that the path is good and trust that you're going to be okay and trust that you're going to be led, there's something that happens in this co-creation of the soup that leads you to the right people and leads you to the next step. And would say, in hindsight, had I not left that career... I wouldn't be where I am today because Executive Awakenings morphed into Healthy Happy Human Beings, my other company. And 
led me to merging with Jeff with plenty. And that evolution, I'm so grateful that I was able to say to my younger self, you've got this. And sometimes we've got to be our best coach of saying, you've got this. You may be scared to death, but it's going to be okay. I love all of the things you're both saying. And, and I, in the introduction, Sarah, we, we talked a little bit and told people about your story and kind of what started to happen last year. And I want to maybe use what you just shared, Jen and Sarah, as a bridge to that, because what I hear you talking about, Jen, is, is agency is the idea that sometimes gets beaten out of us a little bit, that it's our life, actually, that it's not somebody else's life, that we're not going to school because we're told to and we get a job because we're told to. And like at some point, you can have the realization of like, oh, I don't really need to do any of that. And for me, I was lucky enough that I was so impertinent when I was young. I just was a bad employee, honestly, and started my first business in the 20s. And in my 20s and every time i tried to work for someone else yeah, like, but not in the 20s in, in the 20, yeah in my <laughs> 20s which you're seems not that like, old which seems like it was old. in the 20s so to bring it back to you sarah and, and project wonderful there's so much dime store win- wisdom that goes around about following your dreams and about becoming an entrepreneur and what i what i've heard you bring up and i think jen you, you beautifully and emotionally talked about it it's common for people to say things like your dreams are worth it, right? You have your dreams for a reason. It's harder to get your idea, your head and heart around the idea that I am worth my dreams, right? That it's like, it's not even like you don't have to goad yourself into becoming an entrepreneur because your dreams are worth it. So don't let them die in the vine. Well, no, you're worth the life that you can imagine. And what I really see in you, Sarah, and your story is, so to, to fast forward what you've brought us to, you go through almost a 10-year process starting in 2012 of saying, now I'm, I am worth this. I can do something and everything else will figure itself out, right? And once you make that commitment, the world meets you with and now there's no travel. You are shut down. You're going to be in New Jersey. Your whole business model is like kind of ripped in two. And it, what's miraculous and what proves to us is that you're an entrepreneur is you didn't pack it up. You didn't say, well, anything that I'm doing is dependent on me traveling. What you actually did was say, well, I can just do that right here. And so I, I'd love for you to take us back to that point in April or whenever, when you start, like, did you ever say, oh shit, now I'm ruined and I'm going to pack it in? Or how did that process of, of making lemonade from the lemons work for you? The way it worked for me is that I just shifted to what the need was at that moment for myself from a self-care standpoint in this situation, my family, but really the world. And I knew that I had this ability to uncover beauty. And again, I knew that it was around me where I was. And it was actually a really beautiful thing because it really got me to slow down all through my past and my careers and 
It's always been very fast paced. And I really resonated, Jen, with what you were talking about with your past career and, and, and just feeling like, oh yeah, I'm totally meant to do this. Like I'm great at it. I'm doing great work, but this really forced me to just slow down and be still. There was a certain beauty in that. And again, I just felt like there is a need in this world right now for people to be seeing the beauty. It was a very challenging time for several reasons. And I, really felt like I had a role in sharing that. So I did that in various ways leading up to the book, but just being able to share that there is beauty out there and encouraging people to see that themselves felt like that was my role during that time, which has now led me to moving into well, I still can't travel overseas, but I can travel and will be able to travel domestically. And there's plenty of that need right here in the United States. So let me go and do that. So it's kind of like, as this is all happening, I'm just letting it guide me. And just, again, listening to what those whispers are and sometimes not even whispers like it's right in front of me it's like okay yeah yeah. are you listening hello exactly yeah so I think that transition happened pretty quickly for me I you know I was bummed I was like "Uh uh-oh and it really was also in the beginning it was kind of like oh this is only going to be a few weeks you know and then it just as we all felt in different ways but probably similar ways as it continued to go and life changed. I think it was just a matter of saying, okay, what does this mean? And how do I, in a way, just how do I make the best of this for, for me, my family, the world with what I have to do and give. I think what you speak to is so important for all of us to remember now and continue to practice is staying slowed down it feels like this is a real stretching point for for us as human beings on the planet now where we're living in this digital bio tech world that is escalating in information and speed and therefore there's kind of like this energy that as we come out as mask mandates are lifted as people get immunized as people start traveling. It's almost like the horse is in a barn and they're like about to be let out and run free in the field. And they're, we're just chomping at the bit depending upon where you are. And I think the cautiousness, the cautious warning and the giant invitation is to stay in the here and now to stay slow down, to not get swept up in, I have to do more, be more and make up time because this whole year has been a cluster. And I, but like really stay in that moment where we can see where life is meeting us, where the convergence of the signs are, what feels on or off for us because I think we will miss the opportunity. We will miss the lesson if we, if we get on the hamster wheel again, as we say. I know so many people that, as like you're sharing, have the stirring, like they wanna follow, they know that they're meant to be 
or do something more or follow this beauty in their own word or follow their craft or they have a business idea or an invention that is sitting in a black book with a million other ideas that they would love to bring forth, but it's too scary. Jeff, you shared a comment about like the entrepreneurial path and how you know and when you take that leap, I would say it brought up this idea of what's the consequence if you don't follow it? Like what's the consequence if to your life, as you said it, like, and I would say to your health, because there is a soul sickness happening where people, we've somehow bought into the construct of culture that has told us we have to do things a certain way, be a certain way in order to put food on the table, to care for our families, to get the money that we need. And then we can follow our hobby in some free time. But the reality is right now, there's not a lot of free time if you're choosing to spend all the time following what you don't love to do or following what you're not passionate about or truly following what you're not here to to express as your purpose. And that's kind of our work at Plenty is how do we help leaders and conscious people like yourself and companies follow purpose because that then helps with not only doing good, but being in alignment with what that beauty inside is meant to come out, to be expressed, to be offered to the world. And I just think we kind of underplay and underestimate the consequence of not following that. And we've rewarded culture, system, business, behavior, money with financial reward of so many people not following what you, what they're here to do. We have such a narrow definition of success. And this came out last episode in episode 29, when we talked with Star Commonwealth about Meridian. And it's so prevalent, people equating success with financial wealth. I, you know, I challenge anyone listening to just pay attention to that over the next day or two about when someone says success, how often they, they actually just mean piling up money. But the older you get, the more you realize that's the least important thing. And that's something, Sarah, we used to talk about when you were contemplating this decision. And I've shared with both of you, I was really struck going to business school. I went to business school in my late 30s, not in the 1930s. And at that point was already an entrepreneur and had a, a successful business. And the number of my peers in class who wanted to go to lunch with me and just say, well, how do you do this? And I tell everyone the same thing, you are ready for it, but you have to broaden your definition of success because if, if you're asking, how do you do it and keep your salary of $350,000 a year that you're getting being a senior director at P&G, like, ah, that may not exactly work for you in the first couple years. But if you broaden your success to include living my dreams, listening to the voice, feeling fulfilled by my work, can't wait to get up in the morning, don't have to respond to dumb things that I don't like doing anymore. Like, I guarantee you, you're going to be vastly more successful. So I love that point, Jen, about just it calls into question, well, how do we even define what moves us and what success is for us? 
Yeah, we just put an exclamation point on this. And I know we know this, but like what you just spoke to also increases our well-being, our immune system, our innate health. Like the crisis that we're in with a virus, honestly, is like what you just spoke to is that fulfillment literally boosts our immune system. It gives us the ability to live longer, healthier, happier lives. And we forget that because stress is the ultimate virus. It's the ultimate thing that degrades our ability to be here in a healthy, thriving way. And again, it's a, it's a very complicated spiral, but it's, I love that idea. It's not only like what, what does success look like? Like what does fulfillment look like? And that totally equates to how healthy and happy we are. And Sarah, you come across very peaceful and very intentional and calm and excited about what this unknown path is for you. Would you say that's true in this transition of kind of the scary darkness that's out there? Would you validate, is that true for you that as you're looking to bring beauty, capture beauty, tell stories of beauty that are right here, wherever you are, how does that create the feeling state within you that helps you get up each morning, leaning in instead of leaning out? And I think that's, that's the entrepreneurial path, whether you're on or off, if you're leaning in naturally, or whether you're procrastinating and leaning out, it's a cue and a a clue of whether you're living your passion and purpose or not. I think having this every day where I am just going inward as we're talking about and taking the breaths and seeing that beauty, it just ultimately is, is peace and it is calming and it is something again, to use the word so healing. And I feel like it just, helps me to take that next step in the eye of challenge or darkness. It, it helps me to, I like to say, you know, there's ups and downs in life. And, and it's when you're down that you can draw on the ups. And I feel like I've been so grateful for the ups in this different way that we're talking about. It's success for me over the last few years has been so much of just being in these moments and being in this flow where I'm just like, I am doing something that I love so much and it feels so good and it is so fulfilling. So that just helps me to go to the next thing and to be okay with the unknown, knowing that when the unknown, if it is something that's hard, that I can draw on knowing that I will have those ups and those ups are there all the time and that beauty is there all the time. So it's kind of switching that mindset of being kind of stuck in that space and saying, no, I, I don't need to be stuck in that space. And I think one of the things in this last year or so has been really embracing that we don't have control. We don't have control over life. Just embracing that and saying, I don't have control. 
has been really helpful as well because then it's it's like okay well some things are going to come up and we work through them and we take it one step at a time so yeah i feel like and jeff i think you probably can attest to this 3 years ago to now i'm in a much calmer space feeling like again this is where i'm meant to be but also that life just will go and it's going to be the right path We've ended every episode of the last like 15 episodes, Jen saying, we have, we need more time. We'll have to have (laughs) you back. You're evoking, you're both evoking something we love talking about. And I think we talked about last fall on the rafting cast, the episode called the rafting cast, which is the idea of where agency balances with surrender and their life is this massive river and we don't get to control the current, but we do have a paddle. So we can decide if we go with where the world is taking us or if we fight against it. And the speed of our ride kind of depends on on the choice we make there and the grace of the journey. But I, I love all the topics you're evoking. And honestly, I think we scratched the first two off a list of like 12 things we intended to talk about. So I really appreciate this, this conversation. Yeah. And just your last comments about control. And I think that is wise. And we believe that too. I think the fallacy is thinking we can control our external environment. What we can control is how we respond to it. And it's remembering that the reliance on self, like we are equipped for these times. We are capable. We can navigate we are way stronger than we've been led to believe. We are way wiser than we know. And that self-reliance is what I hear you speak to that is regardless of what is happening outside. And I think that orientation is a big shift for a lot of our psyche. And it is a mindset of choice that we get to experiment and practice. And The human part of it, I know with your path and mine and Jeff's, is it's up and down. We can be speaking this philosophy in such a calm, centered space today and tell you that tonight in our sleep, we wake up and we're in a different mood tomorrow, right? Where it's like, holy shit, the sky's falling. It's how am I going to do this? Or, And that's the nature of life. And just thrilled to share this human time with you and really commend you and appreciate and witness of your growth of this centeredness of reliance on self as you continue to walk that you get to be the author of your life you get to be the one that captures your own beauty in the process and the trick and the tool is you're trying you're capturing it out there but truly the outcome, the master book is your own beautiful story that gets to unfold in your capturing. And that's what awareness does. That's what consciousness does. So before we wrap up, would you tell the listeners about your book? And if you'd like to share about that before we close? Yeah, so not the end of the pandemic, but as we got into the fall, I really just felt like I needed to capture or collect, curate some of this beauty that I had captured during this time. Again, because I felt like 
there was always beauty all around. As the title of the book, there's always something wonderful. That to what we were just talking about, there is always something wonderful. If you just have your eyes open to it and your heart open to it, it's there. And sometimes it takes a little bit of patience and it takes a little bit of getting out there to look at it. But at the end of the day, there is always something wonderful. And so the book is a collection of photos that I took during the time to show that beauty and that wonder that I captured. In the middle of the book, I also did highlight some of the things that I did see throughout the neighborhood, um, some of the kindness that was happening, going back to what we were talking about earlier with that amongst everything that had been going on, the social unrest, the pandemic, the natural fires that were happening in the West, there were kind people, there were people helping each other. And so in the middle of the book, I highlight that with some of the protests that I did attend in Denver, just showing how people were standing up for this social predicament we are in. And we were in at that moment, so predominantly, and then going to highlighting the the fires and all of that, it, it just was a way to say, while everything was going on, this was going on too. So there was all this beauty and there was this beauty, this kindness that was going on. So that was the book that I had put together. And it really, my hope is that people can just see again that there is beauty and it is healing and that it's all around. Where can they find it? It's on my website, which is projectwonderful with two L's.com. Yeah, everything else is there as well. And if you're watching us on video, this is what the book looks like. It's lovely. It's got a wonderful commentary. And even the cover photo, which is this incredible capture of two cardinals, two cardinals kissing is really what it looks like. Kind of gives you a sense of what is in store for you when you open it. It's just delightful, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful to share this time. Well, that, with no pun intended, was wonderful, wasn't it? Ha, ha, ha. It was. See what I did there, it was everyone? full of wonder. It was great. And she is just a dear soul. I know that comes out, and that's just always how I've known her. And we had fun, Jen, having a side conversation after the taped interview with her about ways that Plenty and Project Wonderful can work together. And that was that was really fun. You know, there's so many story threads. And because our episode 29 with Star Commonwealth just dropped publicly today, I'm thinking a little bit of that. And maybe one thing I'd tee up that struck me is she said something very similar to what we heard from Derek Allen, the COO of Star Commonwealth, who told us, I'm totally aligned with what I'm meant to do. In his world, he found it through another organization. In Sarah's world, she had to create that herself. But what a wonderful feeling that is, right? To feel like you're living living your purpose of what you were meant to do. It's just amazing to be in, in the presence of people who feel that way. Yeah. And it's exciting ourselves because I, I think we feel that yeah. same way. Yeah. It's taken decades for us to morph and evolve and fine tune and create and find it. 
ourselves here at Plenty. And I think that is truly why we love to get up every day, why we choose to do what we get to do with such diverse clients in the world on so many different subjects that it feeds us in living a purpose-driven life. And I think, you know, you and I have a lot of lived experience and we, we talked about what's the consequence when you are not following that inner whisper, that nudge, that quiet little stirring that says, oh, this is what you really love to do. This is who you're really meant to be. She's such a great example of taking a hobby and turning it into a profession, right? Like, why not? Why not do what you love every day? And I really love the the unpacking of control, this idea that we've been taught falsely that we can control life. We can control what happens when it happens. And it may not be as, as obvious or stated like that, but given COVID and when we look back and it's kind of been the brand of uncertainty, right? We've claimed this statement that it's navigating uncertainty and life is uncertain and uncertainty is kind of synonymous of pivot is the the (laughs) other word that was overused during 2020. It's kind of a giant joke that we ever were able to know what's happening in the future. And even psychics don't have that level of accuracy. So I'm mystified about how we can find calm within ourselves in uncharted territory and yet be the creators of our path. And that's, I think, the invitation. And that's what we hope our listeners are getting out of hearing her is is a great example of taking the leap of faith, surrendering and following your purpose because you're worth it. And life is damn short to have your hobbies be put on the shelf in that tiny open time on the weekend that really bring you joy. Well, I'm laughing a little bit because as usual, you know, right before we started recording, we said, we're going to keep the outro really short, but (laughs) now you've introduced a whole bunch of great topics and I have to respond to a couple of them. (laughs) Of course you do. (laughs) So maybe... Maybe it won't be super short, but you're still listening and we're glad that you're here with us. I love that you use the word hobby and here's why. For those of you who maybe have been in entrepreneurship or have run your own business or have your own business, there is a little bit of snobbery that happens among business owners regarding scale. And I've had people say to me, Oh, you have a lifestyle business. Oh, you have a dentist office. Like that's as if there's something that's better or worse about the size of your company. And just like we talked about with Sarah, success is not just about money. Impact is not just how many team members you have. And Jen and I actually have both led very large teams and made very intentional decisions not to do that. The older I've gotten, the more, I guess... I've kind of not resonated with that snobbery. And if you think of the word, where I'm going with this, if you think of what a hobby is, it's something you love so much, you would do it without being paid. It's one of the noblest expressions of how we live our lives. And yet it almost has this this connotation of like, it's 
Well, it's not as it's not as important as your profession. And actually, Jen, at Lantern, some of what we do and at Meridian is help people get in touch with what they really care about by looking at things like hobbies. What would you do all day for free? And good for you if you can figure out how to make that something that actually then people pay you for. So I don't know if that was actually on our roadmap of stuff we wanted to talk about. No, it really, never is. I loved that. I love that you you went there. And I think you and I find ourselves feeling grateful that we're in the same boat. Whereas when I was running a much larger company, we had more employees, but man, I did a lot of stuff I hated and I was doing it because people paid me to do it, which isn't following your passion. That's being someone else's hired gun. And it's tricky. You can own your own business and yet actually still be selling your soul for what your dreams are actually telling you to do. Yeah. Well, hobbies typically equate to happiness. Otherwise it's not a hobby. Hobbies bring happiness. And when we're happy, it actually brings health. Mm -hmm. And so it's all like, it sounds trite and it may sound so much easier to do and would grant that there's no easy answer of how you follow your hobby and make the finances work. And that seems to be what stops people right? But I would say that entrepreneurs have re-engineered the value chain, that money is often not the end goal. It's following the hobby, the vision, the idea that you cannot ignore any longer. Like it is just getting louder and louder and stirring you in such a way that invites a choice point. Entrepreneurs take that leap to choose into what it is they either love to do as this the hobby idea, or it's an idea that they have that they really think could solve a problem in innovation or it's a product or service that it just has to be done. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, the consequence of not following it is you're out of integrity with self. And I think what we we underestimate, like we said, is just the consequence of not following your purpose, your passion, and in this case, your hobby, right? What's the consequence to that? Do you have time to do it in your off hours? And what would your life be if you were actually living that in expression every day and making it of a value, not only for yourself, but for others? And I think there's a lot to unpack there because it's yeah. scary. It's a scary road to hoe. And I hear a lot of voices saying, well, but the reality is we got to put money on the table. The reality is I got to put my kids through college or pay for school or pay my mortgage. And my hobby won't do that. And would just say that there's always a way you wouldn't have that inclination of joy, of fulfillment, of craft, of capture, in this case of photography, if it wasn't meant to be expressed. Yeah. So well said. And oh, that's another great episode because there's a bunch of practical tips too. I, I can hear people saying that's all well and good, but what about XYZ? And maybe we'll do an episode of the XYZs that we've learned starting a bunch of different businesses. 
for now, one thing I do want to talk about briefly before we sign off is, Jen, we had this conversation a lot because Lantern, our leadership retreat, brings in a lot of people who are at this stage in their life, right? They've gotten to a certain point. They're very successful. Most of the people who come have accomplished quite a lot. And now they're at a different fork in the road saying, well, let me be thoughtful about what choices I make. Let me not just take the senior VP promotion because it's being offered to me. So we have the privilege of facilitating a lot of people through this thought process that Sarah just described. So I wanted to bring that up. It's happening twice this year in 2021, in June and October. And you can find out more on our website, which is plentyconsulting.com. But maybe can you give us a little bit of additional perspective on Lantern and that idea of taking some time to find your purpose? Yeah, I mean, it's exactly that. We have intentionally created a three and a half day fully immersive time out for yourself to reacquaint, reimagine, rebirth who you are that's in complete alignment with your passions, your purpose, and what is the highest possibility for your life that's on offer, both professionally and personally. And it's a totally different way to look at leadership. It's leaning in with more confidence about your skills and about where you lean into. And we've created an environment that attracts beautiful uh, executives and leaders from all over the world who are committing to take this time for that reinvention. And it's been so rewarding to hear what has happened after people have come from experiencing Lantern, what they've created, what they've done that's in congruency with who they really are. And we take people inside and outside. As many people know, we have a beautiful retreat center called Heart Space at the base of Park City Mountain Resort. We have access to incredible trails and take everybody out into the mountains to get high up above the trees to get perspective about your life and about what is really calling you, what is calling you to express who you are and who you've meant to be, what's working, what's not working now. And we wrap all that in delicious food and incredible experiences that are intimate with a small group of people. And I'm proud to say that we did it safely in October of 2020 during COVID and we plan to do so as well coming up in 2021 in June and October. So we'd love to have you. And you can find more about Lanternar Leadership Retreat for Conscious Leaders like yourself at plentyconsulting.com forward slash lantern. While we're giving out long URLs over audio, <laughs> just want to say again, the book by Sarah Coniglio is There's Always Something Wonderful with two L's as in a full heart. And the website is Project Wonderful with two L's, projectwonderful.com. Yes, I had to cheat and look at that. So, well, that was a great, that was great 30 episodes, Jen. Yes, congratulations to us. Boom. Yes. Congratulations to us all. Episodes 31 through 60 coming at you. Uh, this is probably a time to say again, thanks for listening, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, rating, all of that stuff. If you, I'll put this out too. If you know of someone 
or are yourself a conscious leader making a difference in the world, we'd love to talk with you. So don't be afraid to drop us a line at podcast at plentyconsulting.com. If you want to be on the show or you want your story featured or you want to just talk with us about what we're doing, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks, all. We'll talk to you soon. Be so well. Thanks for tuning in. Join the conversation and learn more at plentyconsulting.com.